0: wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson.
1: Well, welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere and today I have another great guest and I've known him for quite a while. Um, His name is Larry Garrett and Larry Garrett has been in the business for a long time. So, Gary, uh, Larry, can you tell us a little bit about your bio?
2: Oh, a little bit about my bio. Okay, so it kind of gets extensive, but uh, I started hypnosis. Uh, I did my training in 1968. I opened a full-time practice in 1970, and I've never looked back. But uh, as far as my bio, it, uh, it could go on extensively. You know, I've traveled around the world, like yourself, doing hypnosis in different areas. Uh, Actually, I was in Iraq on 2011, uh, September 1st. So I'm sorry, September 11th, 2001. Yeah. And uh, So that was an interesting experience. And uh, along the way, I've uh, done much in hypnosis. I I taught hypnosis at Wright College in Chicago from 1972 to about 1999. And uh, that was one of the first classes ever offered at a college in Chicago area. So I've done some nice pioneer work and presently I have a full time practice in Chicago. and I work with people with different areas, I don't uh, judge why they're here. I just know that if they're here to accomplish their goal, I think of hypnosis like this for your listeners. Hypnosis to me is whenever there's a conflict between the logical mind and the emotional mind, I think hypnosis is superior that would mean a phrase like this i know i'm okay but i feel like i'm not i know i look good but i feel like i don't i know i don't need those cookies but i feel like i do so when we have <laughs> yep yeah when we have that contradiction i think hypnosis works well
1: i think that's great and mm-hmm. i mean it obviously proves you've been in practice i think that's a long time for me i you know people think i've been here for a while um, you know, 2000 compared to 1968 is a little bit different in length of time. Yeah. And I mean, a full-time it, it, practice the whole time, from se- 70 on. So
2: Wonderful. What, for yeah. me, yeah, for me, yeah, 1970 for on. I was going to share also the hypnosis was different in 1970. I opened a little storefront, and it was in a, a kind of a conservative community, not, don't ask me why, in Chicago. And... My first couple of years in hypnosis, it was a major challenge. Actually, here's a good story, is that when I opened my office, as I say, a little storefront on a corner, the neighbors had called the city on me three different times for practicing witchcraft. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one.
1: I, I <laughs> love that. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. that. was
2: com- You know a common phrase, I nest in hypnosis in 1970? What if I don't come out of it? Yeah, I yes, know. You don't hear that much anymore, do we?
1: not so much. No, yeah. there's still the odd time somebody sneaks it by, but it's it, very rare. And I know for yeah. the first time when I got into it, people say, well, what do you do? And, and you'd say, I do hypnosis. And they say, don't look me in the eye, you know, yes. <laughs> like. Yes. And, yes. And like oh. <laughs> but I don't get that anymore. Oh, that's good. So that's yes. good. No. We have an educated society coming about. Yes, we do. And that's a great thing. So the other thing I was going to say now, um, we're kind of in a, an interesting time, right? Right now with the coronavirus, etc. And uh, so I'm just, I don't know, we're talked to death about it, but I'd like to just cover a little bit about what we as hypnotists can do for them through this time.
2: Well, sure. And, and, and there comes a big issue. So first off, I, I have a phrase that says if the only tool we have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> so for the coronavirus, we're looking for a cure so you could take a pill. I always say that, the doctor's tool is saying, take this pill and you'll feel better. The surgeon says, let's cut you open and you'll feel better. And the hypnotist says, it's all in your mind. Let's talk about hypnosis. So I think that for the coronavirus, we have an issue right now with an extreme amount of anxiety and conflict. I have a great interpretation for anxiety to simplify it. Anxiety is usually a level of stress while observing a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if you had a three o'clock appointment and you knew it was near this corner and it's five minutes to three and you've never been there before, you have anxiety because it's five minutes to three and you only have five minutes to find it and you don't know where it's at. If we remove one of those obstacles, if we make it 2.30, no anxiety. If you've been here before, you know it's two blocks away, no anxiety. So with coronavirus, we don't know the outcome. We are perpetuating anxiety because we have a stress factor. And I think learning self-hypnosis, and, and to me, self-hypnosis is much like meditating, we could minimize this anxiety. And I think this of the coronavirus and anxiety. When we have anxiety, the body tissue weakens, the immune system drops, the susceptibility of getting ill is greater. When we don't have anxiety and we're at peace, then our immune system is stronger and we don't get sick as often. So I think being in a place of hypnosis is, ex- is exciting. Uh, I've been doing hypnosis, as I say, many years. When I started in hypnosis, I had a lot of anxiety. I was on many medications for anxiety-related disorders. I had severe bleeding ulcers, I smoked too much, my hands would tremor, I used to stutter. And somebody hypnotized me, my original instructor, Fred Chavel. And when he hypnotized me, I sat there with my feelings saying, I'm not hypnotized. I can hear everything he says. <laughs> and then when I opened my eyes, I thought something was wrong because nothing was wrong. And that's my introduction to hypnosis. So I say to the people who have a lot of anxiety related to the coronavirus, the anxiety is not going to heal anything. It's only going to perpetuate a weakness in the body. So we need to learn to calm down a little.
1: I think that's uh, very good advice. And, and uh, as hypnotists, many of us are reaching out to our clientele and people around us to do help through this time. So mm-hmm. I think that's a very good explanation of it. Um yeah. So hypnosis helps, and always, of course, we are like you say. The hypnotist says everything is in the head, and I think that's true. Doesn't mean that it's also not in the body, and it's also not in the all aspects. And uh, most, I think, hypnotists um, nowadays are very holistic in their thinking. So uh, we wouldn't want to say, "Don't see your doctor," "Don't do this," "Don't do that," but we also say, "Add in your your power of your mind." Mm-hmm right so
2: so so, go ahead i'm sorry i thought you finish
1: no 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 go Go ahead ahead.
2: okay so i think that's exciting what you're saying is because the hypnosis is not going to substitute for medicine hypnosis to me is a way to keep the body and mind in a nice balance so that the balance allows us to stay healthy Uh, i often look at the analogy for hypnosis to say The human mind likes everything in balance. And since little children, we have had phrases, whether you be in Canada or the United States, and we have phrases, everything is cool, everything is copacetic, everything is fine, everything is in tune, everything is a-okay. When it is not okay, the mind loses its balance. And when it loses its balance, then we think about a very important word called disease. And to me, disease is absence of ease. So when we are not at ease, then we are in dis-ease. And when we are not at ease and we are in dis-ease, the body will follow suit soon. Uh, I think that I'm a great example of hypnosis being successful as I've maintained good health for all these years. I'm 78 and I feel like I'm 58. And all of these years, I've come from being heavily medicated with a lot of anxiety to be in more at peace and more calm and i think that success comes from keeping my mind in that balance
1: that's good that's really what i you know i really push self hypnosis on this show and i have a free self hypnosis site and many of mm. it, once you've learned self hypnosis it helps in every way that you need it mm. to help because yes. it'll be doing it for you by yourself yeah.
2: Yes, it will. Yes, it will. That's why they call it self-hypnosis. Right? Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, what we talk about. So, um, Larry, I know you've done all kinds of exciting things. I think we can always go back to the coronavirus and stuff at the end if we need to. But I okay. think we, everybody's been talking about it and we're all there. And I, yeah. Uh, so that's just our little two bits. But I, really, you know, you did leave out that little thing about being in Iraq. 20 yes. and, and 2000. Oh no, now I'm 2000, doing it. 2001,
2: yeah. yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Isn't maybe tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah. We yeah. have something on our mind, and for a fraction of a moment, we might forget <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> and around March or April of 2001, I received a uh, call that the Iraqi government wanted to know if I would come to. Well, they didn't ask me first, they wanted to know if I'd meet with this. Neurologist from Iraq to speak about going to Iraq to hypnotize a businessman in Baghdad. So, Inez, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit naive about the world sometimes, even the coronavirus. You know, Mike and I were just talking about that. I said, how are you doing with what's going on? He says, I don't pay attention to it too much. Well, we need to pay attention to it, but the news is a very uncomfortable issue for me because... I'm a very sensitive, susceptible person. And as the news has such powerful people who are able to influence us, and so I avoid the news. So when I received this call about going to Baghdad, I said, oh, how exciting. i would be like going to <laughs> <in> Australia, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, I would love to go to Baghdad. But I didn't say that right away. I was with Sir cool. The neurologist came to my office. He and I sat and we talked for a while and he told me he had a patient who was, uh, who had been injured and uh, he had difficulty in walking, but his medical staff felt it was psychological and he requested hypnosis. And the reason they requested hypnosis in the United States was because they felt we knew more about hypnosis than they might know in Iraq. And... So we spoke. We spent some time. I said, "Let me think about it." I already knew what I was going to do. I said, "Let me think about it." So the next day, I called him up, or he called me up. I said, "Okay, I'll go." So I'm going. I'm not going to belabor the story because the story took a while to get there. But what happened was, I went to Iraq in April of 2001. And so, who's the person that I'm going to see? The businessman, but the eldest son of Uday. Uh, I mean, the eldest son of Saddam Hussein, Uday. So Uday Hussein had been shot. He had 15 bullets that had penetrated his body, but he was still alive. But he couldn't walk for a couple of years, and he was somewhat bedridden and unable to walk well for three years. So the medical staff, as I said, felt it was psychological. So I went there. We spent 10 days in April. And in fact, I remember I was there on Mother's Day and my mother was very upset. What, were you, what are you doing there? Come home immediately. Well, you can't. You know, so I stayed there and enjoyed. So we did well. We did real well. We did some regressions, which you're familiar with. We found out that during his surgery, he had two surgeons, a German surgeon and an Iraqi surgeon. So they were. they had operated on his leg. His lower left leg had been penetrated by bullets and shattered the bone, so they replaced and grafted bone on his leg so he could walk. It was a very serious accident, and when he was finished with it, he wasn't able to walk well. Well, what had happened during a regression he shared with me is the Iraqi surgeon said these words, don't put pressure on this leg or you'll never walk again. Well, that was kind of an interesting literal statement because if you don't put pressure, how are you going to walk? The German surgeon says, walk as soon as you can so that the leg gets strong. So the two were contradicting each other, and he trusted the Iraqi surgeon. So from that point on, his leg would actually shake or tremor whenever he go to touch the ground. So it wasn't that he had a limp. It wasn't that his leg was painful, but he psychologically was hesitating Every time he would put his left leg or left foot on the ground. So, with that kind of statement, after I found out, we were able to accomplish some nice success. After about three or four days, he was able to walk on the stairs well. He was able to walk without his crutches or cane. So, we were doing good things in three or four days. So, then I left. I had a feeling that I'd hear back from them and about, let's see, August. About the beginning of August, they contacted me, would I come back? I said, okay, I'll come back if I could bring my computer and my video camera, because the first time I could not, because at that time, Iraq was on an embargo, and the embargo prohibited them from having any kind of things like computers, video cameras, anything that could be used with a dual effect of, of uh, military and civilian kind of a contradiction there, like an oxymoron. Uh, you take an ordinary eating utensil, would be military or civilian. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't import anything legally, although black market there was prevalent, so they could import many things. So that I, three days later, they sent me a note. They said, okay, you could bring your computer and you could bring your video camera. So that was exciting because the first time I took notes on paper, now I had a computer to write on. So I go back the second time, it was uh, September 9th. My plate was September 9th. And of course, as you realize, September 11th, 2001 was a major disaster in our country. And I was sitting in Baghdad, Iraq with Uday Hussein. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, a very story. different, it's a, that's a great story. Um, yeah. So you've actually written a couple of books on this.
2: I sure have. I wrote uh, the first book I wrote was called healing the enemy and healing the enemy was about my journey to Iraq and it was a good book. And what happened in that story, Inez, remember the war started in 2003. Yeah. Uh, So I come back September, 2001, by the way, at at that time I didn't know what was going on, but at that time, on September 11th, I found out because I was watching a TV station with a person I had become friends with. His name was Ali. Uh, so Ali says, oh, look at that. Look at that. You are, you are, uh, uh, your country is being invaded. I thought it was a science fiction movie because it was in, in Arabic and I didn't understand it. But uh, obviously it was not. It was a real thing. So I come back. I start writing when I get back took me about a year so the beginning of 2003 i think actually april 2003 the war started now before april cuz i had my book finished before 2003 i had uh, an editor edit it for me at that time i had eight publishers and three movie houses interested in my story as soon as the movie or sorry as soon as the war started in april every one of the publishers and the movie houses dropped me They said my story had been blacklisted and they could not print it or have it in any way. Mm -hmm. So I sat there with a good story, but it couldn't be used because the government had blacklisted it and the publishers wouldn't take it on. So I self-published the first book, Healing the Enemy, and I think it was a better version, but then a second book came out called Hypnotizing the Devil. So Hypnotizing the Devil came out in 2012 and it was um, handled by a publisher in Canada. And so I was excited because none of the publishers in the United States would handle it, but I was often told it would be a publisher from another country, and it was. It was a publisher from Canada who ended up publishing, hypnotizing the devil. So we rewrote the book, leaning more towards Uday Hussein. The first book was leaning more towards the people of Iraq.
1: Well, I think they're both very interesting. So uh, I think that's a great story. Anyway, the other things I, I know that we want to talk about, too, is maybe go backwards in a little bit, because we got two minutes left in this portion, okay. is just tying it together again, why hypnosis is good for everyone. We sort of went over that a little bit, but maybe... Yeah. And then just a little bit. Sure.
2: I think vivid. hypnosis is excellent for everyone in a quick two-minute version because it removes a conflict between the logic and the emotions. The logic knows what to do and the emotions are not listening. I think hypnosis is an educator
1: to the emotions. Mm. Okay. That's an interesting uh, way of looking at it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've sometimes, I might even not disagree. It's okay. not that we bo- that it's wrong or anything. But from my point of view, everything is um, affecting where we need to change. It is in that emotional level, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I don't think our logic is always accurate, but the mind will uh, figure out how to make the logic accurate to go with the emotion too
2: yes let's carry that let's carry that on after the commercial
1: (laughs) okay well we got another minute that it's funny and we can we can do quite a bit in a minute when you think
2: sure you're right so So to to comment on what you just said I know you're so right and you use a proper word the logic is not always right actually the logic is using a linear type of Information and the emotions are using information since the day we were born till now. Yeah. So when you see a smoker and he or she says, "Oh, I think I'll have a cigarette and relax," that's what they learned at 16 years old. But the cigarette is not a relaxant; it's a stimulant. Yes. There's a good conflict.
1: So we will continue this on the other side of the break, and we'll just see you on the other side.
2: Okay.
0: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness we know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days now there's a powerful unique and safe laser you can use at home quantum scalar wave lasers using tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best heal itself Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government-approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage.
1: This is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show, Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and on Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us. The new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours and we explore simpson protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before we'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better so come join us on hypnosis everywhere amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis
0: your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness you're listening to hypnosis everywhere the simpson protocol to reach the show today send an email to inez that's i-n-e-s at Inezsimpson.com. now back to this week's program
1: well, welcome back, everybody. And we're going to have an interesting conversation. It's just going to continue on from where we left off. So, um, Larry, you were just saying to me that I had a right at thinking and you have a right thinking. What I was saying to Larry during the break was that, you know, every hisp- hypnotist has a different way of looking at it and a different way of doing it. It's all hypnosis and it's all right. And there mm-hmm. is no wrong about it because it will always be to the person that needs it will respect the hypnotist that they respect.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I have an interesting statement for that. I is, hypnosis to me is like an art. You agree?
1: An art? Yes,
2: I think so. yes, Good. very much. Okay. So here we are going to speak about artists. Some people like some people like watercolors. Some people like oils. Some people like pastels. Some people like sculptures. But they're all accurate. They're art. I think the difference is how good of an artist are we in our particular field, our niche. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say my view is uh, that when we go to school, we learn how to know things. As we evolve in consciousness, we learn how to feel things. So I say what I know is not what I feel, but what I feel is what runs my life. So if I were to view... A computer as a parallel to the human person or mind the screen of the computer is our logic that's what we see that's what we know the hard drive is our emotional side that's what we've experienced since the day we were born till now so the two are often in conflict only because the emotional side or the hard drive of our computer, our biocomputer, was programmed at an earlier time when something was appropriate but is no longer appropriate now. I think a good example is how we grow up, and we grow up hearing things like, boys don't play with dolls, girls don't play with trucks. Well, we know that is totally obscene, <laughs> inappropriate, because what we're saying is we're saying we, we learn values when we're younger and we keep those values emotionally, internally, as we get older. Uh, Eat, and you'll feel better. So if you feel bad, you eat. Then you feel bad because you've eaten, so you eat again because you're feeling bad because you've eaten. So the idea is that you eat to feel good. If you don't feel good, subjectively speaking, not logically, that's what happens. My mother used to have a phrase. She was Italian, and she would say, Eat. That's, way my, that's my way of showing you my love. Does that mean I don't accept her love if I don't eat her food? That's what <laughs> she was saying. See, right? Yeah. Or if I need to be loved. What if I don't feel love? What if I feel rejected or hurt? Would I eat then to be feel love? Yes. See, so so there's a contradiction in the logic emo, logic side of the mind and the emotional side of the mind, and I think hypnosis resolves. And dissolves this contradiction or conflict. My opinion. I, that's Just,
1: a, no, that's a great explanation. I, yeah. I think that's really true. I, and, and sometimes we'll develop things when we're young uh, to cope with something.
2: That's right. And, and that's
1: like, right. you know, having a headache and not going to school to do your test or something.
2: That's right. And well, after serious. a while,
1: yeah. And if you do it a little bit long, that's your your subconscious. Well, this is how I cope with this. How about then, these
2: words, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Sorry. Yeah, and then later on, it doesn't serve you when you're sitting in front of a computer and you're having to do it for five or eight hours or something, and you're you're you don't want to be there anymore. And guess what? The headache. Oh, I'll give him a headache. Here, this yes. will work. You know. Sure. Yes, sure. so that's
2: interesting. There's a there's a term from Le- Leslie LeCron's book on self hypnotism called organ language. And organ language is when we use a language orally to describe a body part to express our emotion. So yeah. if we say, that guy turns my stomach, yeah, that guy's a pain in the butt. <laughs> Every time he walks in, he gives me a headache. So we're just saying that phrase, but it becomes real.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a term that I didn't under- hear before, but the uh, same, uh, the term I've heard is it's just probably exactly the same. is called organic language. Mm-hmm. So uh, the more organic language you use, the more you affect that part of the body.
2: That's right. We sure do. We sure do.
1: <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so this now we've gone through that. I'd like to really talk about, you know, the old myths and this and knowing people still. There's still some people out there that don't think it's safe to come yes. to see us, right, yes. or whatever. So yeah. maybe just talk, let's talk about the safety aspect first, and then I'm just yeah. going to get you to go into some of the myths that can in your time because you yes. like you said it was different back in seventy.
2: It was. It yeah. Was. So the myth, let's the myth just... Of in yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good. Okay. So go ahead and just talk about the safety of okay, hypnosis so we go,
2: first. Let's go to the myths in 1970. Okay.
1: okay let's do
2: many, that. And I think I shared one earlier that says, what if I get hypnotized and I don't come out of it? Yeah. That was an interesting myth. And then there was the myth of, can you make me do anything I don't want to do? That was another myth. Uh, another myth was, uh, I don't want anybody playing with my mind. Uh, so yeah. these, yeah, right. And I often used to say, well, you haven't done a very good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I think the myth can prevail according to the person's emotional perception and anxieties. But I, I share with you this, Ines, and everybody listening. Uh, as I mentioned, October 4th will be 50 years since I opened my doors and started doing hypnosis and i often say you know i've come across a lot of issues and sensations about hypnosis and a lot of myths but in all of those years i say these words with an absolute i've never had an occurrence that was uncomfortable to the client i've met many clients who didn't accomplish their goal but maybe they didn't want to but I've never met a client, I've never saw a client who was in some way harmed emotionally or spiritually or mentally or physically. So I think that says it well. I don't see a, I don't, when I started teaching hypnosis at Wright College, I had a 12 week semester. So I had to put together some kind of a syllabus or a curriculum to say this is what we're going to have. One of my classes was the dangers of hypnosis. <laughs> mm. I would never have a class today on the dangers of hypnosis, but I had only been doing hypnosis about two years. So what did I know at that time? No dangers.
1: There's no dangers, but that's uh, the perception is there could be dangers. So I think it's, the, it's still a tongue-in-cheek cover for an, a lesson yeah. on that. <laughs>
2: Yes, I think the perception of danger that could be in hypnosis is a danger of the hypnotist offering suggestions that might create some kind of an abreaction or an aversion to a feeling of some sort. I, I, I hear this one, Inez. Tell me what you think of this one. If you have a male hypnotist, a female client, and the male hypnotist is has an energy that's maybe uncomfortable to the female client. Mm -hmm. As the female client sits in his office the first time and they close their eyes, they are now at a disadvantage and very susceptible in a negative way as well as positive. So let's say the hypnotist is a person who moves a lot, he moves around and he does things and so he leans closer to the person I raise my voice to emphasize that. Or he moves away from the person. So, as he moves closer to this woman and her eyes are closed, she is feeling a little challenged because this person is moving too close beyond her safety zone. I understand safety zones around three feet. I think that in Corona, the virus, it's five or six feet, but it's three feet typically. <laughs> so, if I move three feet, it's closer to you than three feet and your eyes are closed, I think there's a discomfort that is formed within the perception of the female client. You think?
1: I think it's possible for sure. I've never been in the situation. So even, but a male, and for some reason, of course, it's easier for females because we tend not to think of uh, all those background sort of uh, issues that could prevail. So uh, I think, personally, um, from my time. But I see I didn't do it from the mindset of the time that it would be used. I came in, and uh, you had already done a lot of work for us as pioneers in the field. So uh, for me, I just always had enough that I could. uh, I had to have total rapport with the client. So I used to always do a uh, at least a short. Um, what I call consultation, but it was for both of us. It was to see who, if we were comfortable with each other. I've even had people that couldn't uh, close their eyes. Now, you don't need to close your eyes for hypnosis. It's just easier because you can go inside and it's a little easier for you. So Mm. if that had happened to me and I was the guy, I would have probably said, you know, you might, you know, just do whatever. Or I take Mm. note that maybe at one time, I think we are a little more Uh, clued into what the person is. We've learned quite a bit from, you know, the people who need that space don't get into the three-foot space. And then there's some people that may, you know, depending on if you're what we call a touching hypnotist or a non-touching hypnotist, if there's Mm -hmm. permission about touching, sometimes that person will touch as long as you're not doing it through a time that they are in a, uh, a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, so if I'm putting someone in hypnosis, many times I'm, I'm a Jerry Kine trained hypnotist. Many yeah. times I'll use I don't always. It depends. I'll use this uh, with people that are very kinesthetic or something. And and also that, are, that they're open and it's OK for me to touch them. But you always right. need to know. So that three mm-hmm. foot space is a good thing to go by if you haven't got a clue. You know, sure,
2: sure. And, and as I think about that story I share with you. So you and I both know many, many hypnotists. Mm-hmm. And all of them do not have the same integrity that you and I are speaking of. No. Okay.
1: There's are so, the same in
2: any field, right? Any field. You're right. Yeah. Any yeah. field. And, you know, it, it might lead us into another conversation. How do you find a good hypnotist? I like that one.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. That's a good thing yeah. to do.
2: Mm-hmm. But to conclude this conversation, I'm going to say to you that I think that you, you as you call it, your consultation, I think in um, NGH they call it a pre-talk. Yeah. And, and actually, I've, I don't know if you have it, if you don't, I could email one to you. I have uh, written a book on pre-talk. Mm-hmm. So pre-talk to me is as powerful, if not more powerful at times than the hypnosis itself. Because as you say, you don't have to close your eyes to accomplish hypnosis. During the pre-talk, if you can enhance susceptibility to trust, through rapport, through discussion, then I'm going to say that that enhancement will create more success and balance with your client. But again, I'm going to speak that some clients come in with a lot of fear and trepidation about hypnosis. There was a woman in my office about a month ago and I asked her if she had any fears and she said, I fear everything. Well, that was an interesting statement. So immediately my knowledge said, don't get too close to her. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of fears. Sit back away. So I sat back about five or six feet and I just sort of kept our conversation going and it was okay. But I don't think that. I know you were trained by Tim Horn, you say?
1: No, no, by Jerry Kine. Sorry. Oh, Jerry Kine. Okay, better. Yeah. Okay.
2: And, uh, and Jerry Kine was an excellent teacher, and, and Tim Horn is an excellent man.
1: He's a man that I would trust yeah. with anything. Yeah. You he's got that gentle. confused because he's one of my trainers. Oh, he's one of your trainers. <laughs> and oh, I learned okay. from him too, yes. Okay, yes, you do.
2: Yes, you do. <laughs> I, I, I did hear that backwards, excuse me, yeah. So Jerry, Jerry Kine, of course, was an excellent trainer because he obviously knew his stuff for many years. But I guess I'm saying to you, everybody is not... Is not so skilled and powerful because I think how they were trained and who trained them says a lot about who they are now. Do you think? I would agree. Yeah.
1: I would agree, and I think. But today, luckily, people really go out for and take quite a bit of training.
2: Yes, they do. So yes, they I think stops. they can,
1: and then they can feel, sense, know what's yeah. right for them because sure. it's very important that you don't work you work in integrity with yourself as well mm-hmm. as for the client you know there's, there's yes. this whole symbiotic relationship you're you're really a team sure so, you're right you know, you're right so, yeah so I, I really think that and i think it's important that people understand that that you know i say to people yeah. You know, go and find. There's all kinds of hypnosis. There's yes. people like Melissa Tears. There's people like this that, you know, that you've listened to yeah. the styles of hypnosis. So yeah. find out. Talk to your hypnotist. Sure. See what the rapport is. See it. You know, make yeah. yourself responsible for finding out what you want to do. It's This yes. is a very important thing you're doing.
2: I think it's very serious. I take hypnosis very serious. I have a great reputation because I... Consider the safety and consciousness of the person here with me. And if a person doesn't feel I've done well, then I don't charge them or I give them their money back. If you go on Yelp and you look under Larry Garrett, you'll see one case was where a couple came in to see me. They were going to get married in a month and they wanted to quit smoking. So they both did well, but I had feelings that the guy wasn't ready to quit. I just had that intuitive energy about him. So about a week later, the woman calls me and says, well, I'll just use fictitious names. Charlie says he feels like smoking, and I think I'm going to also. Well, I already knew that. And I said, well, it's okay. Let me know what goes on. So she calls back. She says, yep, Charlie's smoking, and I think I'm going to smoke. And I says, well, we'll call her Julie. Julie, if you want, you come in and see me, and I'll see you again at no charge. Or if you want, I'll give you your money back. She says, okay, I'll get back to you. So of course she called me back and she said, We decided we want our money back. <laughs> okay. So about two weeks later, they come back. And uh, I don't I don't feel the Almighty Dollar is worth ruining your reputation. So she comes back with him, and I gave him their money back. And so he wrote on on Yelp, he said. We didn't do well, but we weren't really motivated. And he gave us back our money with a smile on his face. So I thought that was a great—that was a great yelp, wasn't it? So- yeah, that was a
1: great yelp, and I think it's just the right note to go to break on. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you on the other side, everybody.
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: This is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and on Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours and we explore simpson protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before we'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better so come join us on hypnosis everywhere amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis
0: We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar Wave Lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The Quantum Lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government-approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to hypnosis everywhere the simpson protocol to reach the show today send an email to inez that's i-n-e-s at Inezsimpson.com. now back to this week's program
1: so welcome back everybody and we were just talking about uh, you know um that the relationship between hypnotist and hypnotize or client is a team sport it's a team sport and uh you need to like your hypnotist. You have to have trust in the hypnotist and all those other things. And you need to have desire to allow yourself to be hypnotized in the first place. So I was just going to pick Larry's brain a little bit about, uh, you know, how to reach out for a hypnotist and and how to find a hypnotist that you like and not allowing just money to be the the center of that. Yeah,
2: right. It's not about money because I think almost any hypnosis person would understand with compassion that it could be expensive. However, I do think that it doesn't cost me anything to hypnotize a person other than my overhead of my office. So why would I not be able to adjust my price If I was dealing with a single mom with three children at $12 an hour? Yeah, so so I think that's important. But secondly, before the advent of internet, And, of course, I go back to old phones. I have the same phone number, by the way, since uh, 1978, I think. So uh, I used to buy phones, and I'd say, call up every hypnotist you can find. Remember the yellow pages?
1: (laughs) Yeah, walk your fingers through. Yeah,
2: Yeah. call up every hypnotist you could and talk to them. Ask them questions. Ask them silly questions even. You know, what if I don't come out of it? And what kind of answer are they giving you? Are they being blunt with you? Are they saying, well, well, that's kind of silly? I don't want to hear that silly. I want to hear that that's an important issue of mine. So now we have internet. So I would say write a note to the hypnotist. And in that note, you might express some concerns you have, maybe some goals. But also see if there's a possibility of speaking to that hypnotist to get a flavor of him or her and who they are we can usually tell how people speak to us, who they are. If they speak with an abruptness, well, you know, I don't have time to talk right now, but you could call me later. It could be okay. Depends on how they say it. I want people who are gentle. I think hypnosis is like love. I think it comes speaking to the soul. It's not saying to the logic, those cigarettes are taste. Those cigarettes are terrible. We know they're terrible. Those cigarettes will cause you to get sick. We know they'll cause us. So we know that, but we want to hear something without judgment. You know, I have a great phrase, as I say. If I say to you, don't think of an elephant. Yeah, see, so right now you're thinking of the elephant. So then to minimize that, if I say to a person, don't smoke that cigarette. They're going to want to smoke that cigarette. Don't bite. Don't bite your nails. How's that one? So then if you want to minimize that, you remove the judgment by saying, it's okay. If you want to think of an elephant, you go right ahead, it's okay. And then the person doesn't need to think of the elephant. So what I'm getting at is talk to the hypnotist and observe their personality to you, their demeanor, their gentleness. Hypnosis needs to be gentle. If you're too aggressive with hypnosis, it's outdated. When I started in hypnosis, everything was aversion techniques. Today we use less aversion techniques, more permissive techniques. But 1970, if my mother said, "Throw out the garbage," I threw out the garbage. In 2008, 2020, a <laughs> mother says, "Oh, would you mind on the way out? I'll give you ten dollars if you throw out the garbage and take the garbage on your way out." Uh, that's a different story today. So we need to learn to minimize minimize the judgment to clients and accelerate the positive. That would be my thought of finding the right hypnosis person. I hope I said that well.
1: Well, I agree with you, and that's why I, I've said the same thing to people. Talk to mm. the hypnotist and ask yes. questions. Always ask questions. And there Even is no stupid ways. question. Like yes. you say, if it's treated as a stupid question, yes. then you know you're maybe not in the right place. Yeah. Yes, yes, I agree. So, yeah, so, you know, mm. the whole thing was back in the day, uh, hypnosis, even before you, Larry, you know, before you, they could say, remember the old thing about you could only hypnotize 50% of the people. Yeah, and that was we've because they, that. yeah, because we didn't know how. It wasn't about yeah. that. It was that they yeah. hadn't used the right language for people yes. or whatever. But the whole thing is that today, uh, we are in a much better place. So yes. I like this, what you say hypnosis is like love. I love yeah. that.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Maybe talk a little more about that, because I don't know if people get that.
2: Okay, so if we're speaking to the emotional side of the brain, rather than the logical side, I don't know if that's the brain or not, but the emotional side of the emotions of mind, it's like a young child. So it doesn't want to hear an aggressive tone that says, shame on you, you shouldn't do that. Yes, I think it wants to hear something gentle. Uh, you know, I, I've heard you speak, Inez, and I, I've been in your audience, and you speak gentle. And I attempt to speak gentle with people. The way you hear me on this program is who I am all the time. I, I'm not trying to impress anybody being on this program. This, this program is not for me to come and do a commercial. I don't need to do a commercial anymore. I've been here too long. If I were, you know, if I were smart, I'd retire. <laughs> but I'll never, I'll never retire. I'll be here till I die because I love hypnosis so much. So when I speak to a person with hypnosis, I am speaking about love. That's yeah. what I'm doing. Yes.
1: And I, I agree with you. That I think the ones of us that, that we don't th- treat this as a job. This is our no. passion. It's our vocation. And we want to help people. And that's the it's biggest
2: one. Yes. It's a way of life. It's a way of life.
1: So another thing I'd like to know, because you've been doing this so much longer than, than I have, uh, what changes in hypnosis have you seen that you can actually... Uh, Articulate about the changes from when you started back in the 70s or 68 to 70, and then yeah. to here. What kind of yeah. can you think of particularly?
2: I think it's less criticized. I think in 1970, I would see very few professionals come and see me. And I would see mostly the alternative kind of people, maybe uh, people who were into an alternative way of life. Today, I see very many professionals to come and see me so that's changed i think hypnosis is today where chiropractors were 10 or 20 years ago they're begun beginning to be accepted more and more when you say hypnosis today most people will say oh yeah tell me about it Mm -hmm. Uh, you say hypnosis 30 years ago 40 years ago don't talk to me about that stuff or how about this one that's god doesn't like it if you do things like that well i don't believe that i believe that god likes it when we do something positive with other people i think hypnotists are great educators to the emotional side of the mind to help your life be better yes
1: yeah and i think um well i won't speak for all hypnotists because we always Mm -hmm. have a faction like we said in every field that sure. is maybe not have the best ethics or whatever. But yes. there's always going to be an element in every profession. So that's another reason to talk to the hypnotist. And mm-hmm. gee, I've completely forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> that's okay. It'll come back. That's interesting, and- but it, that's- it'll come back. Uh, yes. So that was the change in hypnosis mm-hmm. is the from the outside. Uh, yes. Now, I think I'd like you to, do, what about change in hypnosis techniques you've seen, not just yours or, or mine, but around us, what have you, you, you said at first that aversion was sort of the mainstay, right? And we've moved away from aversion.
2: Uh, well, many hypnotists still use aversion. I think of Jacob Bimlock, and he's in Brooklyn, yeah. and he uses only aversion techniques, yes. and he has excellent success. He has excellent, excellent
1: success. But he's it's working about with smoking. a different
2: culture, too, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah.
1: with it. Yeah. go go. Sorry, yes. no that's interesting because I I think he's he's the one I always talk about. I said he's the only one I've seen use aversion that isn't an issue because I listened very carefully to his wording about the aversion. And yes. you know, if you're not going to you want somebody to stop eating chocolate cake and they put worms on it, it's not going to hurt. But if you uh, from my point of view, if you start to say aversion things that may be negative impact on people that and then they do start smoking again or they do whatever, then it's not always appropriate for me. I agree. Right,
2: right. I think secondary gain meaning why does the person yeah. smoke is more important. I have a little story I use and as with a smoker. And I'll say the smoker has to paint the wall. His wife wants him to paint the wall. He looks at the wall, looks at it, grabs a cigarette and lights a cigarette and he never paints the wall. And he'll never quit smoking because he's smoking to keep from painting the wall. Yeah. So instead of hypnotizing him to quit smoking, which I feel won't be as successful, we have to question why doesn't he want to paint the wall? Yeah. So once we, yes, once we figure out why he doesn't want to paint the wall, then we get him to quit smoking. My story of that is two reasons. One is if he does the wall poorly, he'll be criticized. If he does the wall well, he'll have another wall to do. He doesn't even know, right? He doesn't even know if he could do the first one. He's already got a second one. So I think we need to learn more why the person has the habit than just telling them not to have it. I agree with you. I'm going to comment again. Jacob Blimbach has a different culture.
1: Yeah.
2: I think the culture is like this. A movie of today will show an exaggerated view of what the world is like. A movie of the 40s will show an exaggerated view, and maybe not exaggerated, maybe an extended view of what the world was like. I think hypnosis needs to show an extended view of what the world is like. Okay.
1: See, this time goes so fast, but first, because we've only got a couple minutes left here, I'd like you to state your website and anything else you want to... So they uh, contact information and it'll be on the sure. page, but not all podcasts have that. So I like to say it okay. verbally too.
2: Thank you. Sure. And the easiest way to reach me is like yourself, LarryGarrett.com. And if you go on my website, there is much, much information and a video to explain what hypnosis is like in a safe way. So go to LarryGarrett.com, write me or call me, I'm always available to get on the phone. I'm always available to reply. I love what I do, so you're never challenging me by taking my time. Just call me or write me, I'm here for you.
1: And that's how you know a good hypnotist. Thank you. They'll take the time to talk to their people. It's not just about somebody filling up their calendar. Right. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, um, you're a wonderful man, Larry. Osato. thought so. Thank you. Um, I, I think it's great that people have heard you because of that, showing that side, that the other side, that people always see, you know, the aggressive type or whatever. So I, I want you to really know I appreciated you being here today. So I'm honored. I'm
2: look, honored, know. Thank you.
1: You're welcome, and I'll see you soon somewhere.
2: Okay. okay. We'll look, look forward to it. Be well. Thank you.
1: And. uh Goodbye, everybody, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week.
2: for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information